It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So this is episode six in my Becoming Brave series. Uh, Let me repeat the subtitle because I haven't done it for a few episodes and it's really good. Uh, Stunning composure while staring at a world crisis. Isn't that what we all want and crave? We want to be able to stare at whatever is going on around us. I mean, mountains crumbling into the midst of the sea, earth and sky peeling away, and we have total confidence that Jesus Christ is on his throne and all things are beneath his feet and he's in total control. And yet there's a human side to us that is vulnerable to melting like candle wax uh, before heat. And so what we need is something supernatural. Every man and woman on earth is susceptible to cowardice. And so what we have as believers is something from another realm that is meant to indwell us and to firm us up and to strengthen us so that during the trial, during the hour of testing, we pass. And so God desires to make us immune to things like fear, anxiety, fretting, foreboding. And yet many of us listening to this feel... (laughs) Not just that we're not immune, but that we are extra susceptible because as believers, we feel like there's a big target on our forehead, which on the human side of it, you can just feel extremely uh, destabilized, extremely vulnerable, extremely uh, sensitive to these things. But this is our hour. This is the time when God wants to bless us with an understanding of the historic church and the strength of it. And so let's dive into this. This is uh, part six. It's called Getting Purity empowered. And it's it's funny because purity just sounds like such a weak thing. I, I don't know why. It's a probably a cultural thing. It's like the word prudence. It's a great word if you were to study what the word means, but it just sounds weak. Purity sort of falls into that category too. It's like, oh, you're one of those. And yet, ironically, purity in the Christian soul is one of our great strengths of bravery. So it's in the ingredients list, it's a very real ingredient. And if you are sullied in your soul, it's interesting, but the devil can play it. If you have anything in your soul that just hasn't been made right, hasn't really been uh, satiated in the blood of Jesus in your understanding, you know, because Jesus will cover that. However, if you've never brought it there, and sometimes we bring something there, but we do it more in the coward's version where we just sort of cover it up or justify it in a certain way. It's like, yeah, God, I know I made some mistakes. Could you just forgive all those? And we don't allow the Spirit of God to investigate and say, could we address this? Because when, when the Spirit of God addresses it, he puts his eternal salve on it where he washes it whiter than snow and it no longer could be held against us. But when we don't bring it through that uh, washing machine, if you will, of the Spirit of God, of the shed blood of Jesus, then ironically, we become vulnerable to a tactical maneuver from the enemy, which creates guilt, condemnation, shame, lest that be known, lest that be understood, lest that ever come into the light. And it actually does a very powerful thing to remove bravery, courage, and boldness from our life as believers. And so as a result, it's critical that we understand that we need to be purity empowered. So I I have a a slide up on the screen, if any of you are watching the video of this, and it says the ultimate picture of daring. 
So if we were to just pause there, I, I do give away uh, what the answer is to the ultimate picture of daring on the screen. But hey, not everyone is watching this on the screen, right? And so you're hearing this via podcast, you don't see what that is. And so you could imagine what some of the ultimate pictures of daring would be, you know, jumping out of a, a plane, you know, at 30,000 feet, you know, over enemy territory. Uh, you know, there's various things we're like, oh, that would be daring. You know, like the beaches of Normandy has always been in my mind as one of those daring things like, oh, wow, that's an incredible man that would face that with boldness. And yet the ultimate picture of daring, listen to this, bearing your chest to the Holy Spirit. You see, there's two different ways that you can approach your God. One is with your arms sort of crossed in front of you, and the other is in cross position where you actually extend out your hands like you're hanging on a cross, and you say, Lord, investigate me, search me, try me, know me. Whew. If any of you have ever walked through this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and it's, it's daring. And yet it's the wisest thing you could ever do is to actually make yourself vulnerable to your God. God, is there anything in my soul that needs to be corrected? Is there anything that I need to confess? Is there anything I need to seek forgiveness for? Is there any window that's open or door that's open that's allowing in a cold draft from the outer world that you desire to see me close? Whew. See, even touching on this is hard for some of us. And since I hinted in the last session that I was going to address Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 today, some of you may have skipped this episode just because we really don't want to get that close to some of these thoughts. And yet these thoughts actually undergird and underpin the courageous, bold, and brave life. And so it's important that we face these wins, even though they be a little scary. And I understand that. I mean, I've walked through this many, many times over in my life. And it's not that I desire to find out that I was wrong and that I need to confess something. It's not like I get giddy when I hear that. But I do call conviction of the Holy Spirit sweet. It's not a negative thing in my life. There is a pain associated with it, but it's good. See, condemnation and conviction are very different. Condemnation offers you no hope. It's just like, yeah, you might as well give up your life. God doesn't want to deal with you now. Look at you. You failed. That's condemnation. It comes from the devil. He's the one whispering those words. He's the one trying to shove us off a cliff into eternal uh, damnation. He's the one doing that. Jesus is the one desiring to rescue us. He's the one desiring to turn us from the edge of that cliff and walk in the way of health and life. And he does that through conviction. You see, we could be motoring our way along in life, totally ignorant of the fact that the way we're walking is unhealthy and it's leading to death. And then one day the uh, wind of the Holy Spirit blows away the fog bank that has been keeping us from seeing the end of what we're headed towards. Whoa, there's a cliff. Wow, I, I, if I keep walking in this direction, I would fall to my eternal peril. That's right, which is why God blew away the fog, so that he could show you that and tug on your shirt sleeve to turn you, to walk in a healthy direction. It's called repentance. You see, the Spirit of God convicts because he loves us and because he desires a hope and a future for us. He has one for us, but we need to agree with the conviction. We need to humble ourselves, and we need to allow God's truth to permeate our circumstances and our situation. Do you agree with him? That if you continue in this way, it's destruction. And if you do, what would you do? What would the reasonable action be? You would humble yourself and you'd acknowledge, Lord, I was wrong. I was wrong in my direction. I was wrong in my decisions. And you would turn from those wrong decisions to walk in the right direction. So the ultimate picture of daring, bearing your chest 
to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a great summary for it of what it is? The first steps forward in supernatural bravery. So how do we take these steps forward? At the end of Acts chapter 4, we're going to see the room in which the disciples were being shaken. And the Spirit of God is going to fill them with boldness. Isn't that interesting? And then we enter into Acts chapter 5, which is one magnificent chapter. There's a lot going on there, but it's going to start with something that doesn't seem magnificent, and yet in a strange way it is. You see, there's all sorts of stories in Scripture that are there on purpose so that the Spirit of God can take from them and bring them to us. And that story at the very beginning of Acts chapter 5 is a story of a character named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. Now, for those of you that are familiar with the story, which is probably a lot of you, this is a story that many of us would sort of prefer to skip. Uh, can we just get past this story? And yet it is very, very important that we spend time in this story and examine the story and allow this story, in a sense, to examine us. So I, on the screen, it says, the first steps forward in supernatural bravery, when the Christian is truly shaken by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, and I want to emphasize in his name, Holy Spirit. It's not just fun spirit, <laughs> happy spirit, Holy Spirit. What does he do? He makes us holy. He brings the nature of God to bear upon ours. And where we are not like God, he will convict us. But he does it in a very gentle and beautiful fashion. He doesn't, I mean, there's so many things God can convict, could convict any of us about right now. But he doesn't convict us about everything that's still not perfect in our life. He takes us one step at a time, just like a parent with a, a little baby. They recognize that that child needs to grow up and needs to learn how to walk. But right now they're dealing with the roll, the, the, the roll on the, the blanket. They're going to deal with the crawl. They're not yet ready to deal with the walk, even though... God designed that baby to grow up unto a full walk, unto a full leap, unto a scaling of mountain cliffs. However, a parent has a patience to see that child develop. And it's the same way the Spirit of God is with us, but he's the Holy Spirit. So he is bringing the holiness of God to bear upon our soul. We are unholy. And so there's a lot of work to do. But for us to stand confident in our day and age, in our generation. It's not based on our perfection. It's based on his perfection. And yet we want to, to the degree that the Holy Spirit has made clear anything in our soul, we want to walk in agreement with that. And it's called a clear conscience. And when we do that, we're strong and we can be bold and we can be brave. That doesn't mean the Spirit of God doesn't have more convicting work to do. It's just that the work he has done we have agreed with. We have said yes to it. And that is part of what establishes a foundation of confidence and strength for us to bear witness of Christ in a generation. And when the world comes back and attacks us, we can stand firm knowing that we are walking in stride in an agreement in a love relationship with our Lord. So I'm going to read through the story at the, uh, at the end of uh, Acts. And this is what's going to lead into the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, the apostles have just been beaten up and roughed up uh, for their stand uh, for Jesus and for sharing the gospel of Jesus. And 
everyone's a little shaken. It's sort of like seeing some persecution break out in the world today. And then someone said, yeah, they're coming to get us. You know, yeah, it'll soon be concentration camps for us as Christians. And it shakes everyone. You know, it's not really a positive meditation, right? And so it sort of tests the metal of your soul. And that's what's happening here in Acts chapter four. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. All right, we could use a bit of that right now. Whatever that is for us as the church, we want the equivalent of it right now. Because in, in a sense, many of us are looking on the threats <laughs> that are against us and we're focused on them instead of on the God who can deliver us from those threats, who can supply us with everything we need. Now, in this first movement forward and answering that, not, not just are they given the Holy Spirit, not just are they given that boldness, not just is the, the building they're in shaken, but now they're walked through almost like practical test number one. The Holy Spirit is going to work in and through what we could call the fear of God upon them. There's going to be a purification process in the body, and that's what comes from the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So I'm calling that removing the Anasaph self-interest. So I have Anasaph, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, as a, a phrase to talk about it almost like it's a concept in each of our souls, not just in the church back in first, the first century, but in all of us. That in a sense, we have the same self-interest, the same hypocritical propensities and proclivities that Ananias and Sapphira have, which is why it's a hard story for many of us. Because we see what this couple is doing. They have this piece of land, and they want to give the proceeds from this land to the church. But they want everyone in the church to be impressed with them, and they still want to take a piece of it for themselves, the piece of the proceeds. And so they do. They take a piece of the proceeds, but then they act as if the whole cost or the whole value of the land is what they're giving to the church, when in actuality that just wasn't true. It was a form of deception. And what it's going to be described as is lying to the Holy Spirit. And it's a pretty intense story uh, for those of us that know it. But it's something that I would want each of us to appropriate personally and to allow what is taking place in the church to happen in us as individuals, that God wants to remove the anasaph from our midst, from our souls, from our thinking. He needs to touch this, this part of us that wants to live out our Christianity in comfort, that wants to live it out with glory, wants to live it out for applause. God says, could I get that? Could I remove it? Could I wrap that up and bury it? Because that is hindering what I desire to do with via my Holy Spirit in and through the body of Christ. So let's go through the story in Acts 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young man arose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. That was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. 
Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. That includes us. But great fear is supposed to come upon us. It's the fear of God. It's not fear and trepidation of what's happening in Russia right now uh, or in uh, Ukraine. It's the fear of God. It is a holy trembling before the realities of a holy God intersecting with an unholy man. You see, we are in the position of being the church, those that are hearing of these things. And we are recognizing that God will not put up with Anna Saf in our midst. That whatever that is, that preoccupation with self, that desire to preserve self-interest, that desire to appear uh, better than you are, that desire to cloak your uh, proclivities, whatever this is, and however you might de de describe it to your own soul, this needs to be removed so that God can work mightily in a brave, courageous fashion in and through his body. So the benefits of an Anasaph stirring up, because that's what this is. The church is being stirred up in and through this. I mean, could you imagine if this actually happened in modern times? Wow. Uh, and I think many of us are just afraid we would be the ones that fall over dead, which is not a bad thing to have just uh, sort of make its way through our, our understanding, our soul, to freshly tremble before the fact that our God is holy, holy, holy. And we have the audacity... <laughs> to carry his name into this culture, let's make sure we're walking in agreement with him. Let's make sure that we do not take this lightly, what we represent as believers. So I have a, a, a sub uh, line on this uh, particular uh, slide that says, understanding the powerful release that occurs when the pipeline is cleared. I've called it a pipeline. I've called it a hose, but it, probably a hose is one of the best ways that I could quickly describe it now. But we have a spigot in our life, and out of that uh, spigot is coming grace. And that's what the Bible would describe it in the New Testament as. It is the life of Christ via the Holy Spirit. We are given everything we need for life and godliness. And it comes through that spigot, and God just says, open it up. And we're like the hose. That's our life. That's our body. That's our function in this world. And have you ever noticed, like when you're trying to you know, water your flowers, uh, that when water isn't coming out, you sort of have a hunch what the problem is, and that is you have a kink in the hose. Either you didn't turn it on or you have a kink. And so all of us know sort of that feeling. It's not a very fun feeling. You have to go seek out the kink uh, in the hose. And when you remove the kink from the hose, what happens? But all of that pressure, that water that was desiring to come through now has the freedom to come through. And so I would liken that to the way we function as believers. And I would liken that kink in the hose to being something where we function, whether wittingly or unwittingly, whether knowingly or unknowingly, in opposition to the Word of God, to the way God designed us. And so the Spirit of God wants to come and say, hey, look, I desire to flow through you. I desire for the world to encounter Jesus Christ in and through your life. But to do that, we need to remove this kink in the hose because I've supplied you with everything you need, but because of your disobedience, because of your disagreement with me, because of you walking in impurity, it is actually 
opposing my agenda through your life. And so because I love you, I need to point to this kink right here in the hose. And I want to say, would you humble yourself and remove that? So I've walked through this process many times. And I would say, even though it has been a painful process at times, awkward, very challenging, it has been one of the most important things that the Spirit of God has ever done inside of me because it has transformed me. I would point back to certain times in my life where it's like, this is when I awakened to the power of God through my life. This is when an Acts chapter 5 began to flow through my life. It was after Anasaph was removed. The Ananias and Sapphira dimension was agreed with. It's like, yes, Lord, that needs to die. Yes, that needs to be given up. I'm going to wrap that up and I'm going to bury that in my life. That has no peace in my walk with you. The church should not have that in our midst. I should not have that in our midst. So in this list, on this same screen, when it says the benefits uh, of an Anasaf stirring up, understand the powerful release that occurs when the pipeline is cleared. It says corporately and individually. You see, when we look at Acts chapter 5 and we see this story, we see a corporate cleansing. God needs to do that as well. And so for us as the church, in many regards, we need the Anasaf removed from the church at large. Many in the church are attempting to appease they want to be comfortable, and so they distance themselves from the Word of God to stand with the political correctness of this age. And in a sense, they're holding back from God what is rightfully His. They say that they belong to Jesus, but they're holding back uh, their loyalties. They're not standing with Him in the moment of trial. And that is something that we don't want to see remain in the church at large, even though many of us understand what it means to participate in that. God wants to remove it. He wants to bury that behavior and he wants the fear of God to freshly come upon us. Not the fear of public approval, the fear of God. This is what sets us free. When you recognize that God Almighty is holy, 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 it definitely puts the opinions of the you know, CNN News Network into its place. Who cares what they have to say? What does God have to say on the matter? And so corporately, this is a very real thing, but also individually. God needs to work this removal of the Anasaf dimension of our life, both corporately for boldness and courage to come back to the corporate church, and individually for boldness and courage and fearlessness to come back to the individual believer. But it starts right here. And for many of us, we just need to set ourselves in front of God, bear our chest uh, to Him, and say, Lord, is there anything in me that is hindering my walk with you? Anything in me that is hindering the revelation of the fruit of the Spirit in and through my life. Anything in me that is hindering this tongue from speaking your words in this generation. Anything in me that is hindering others from beholding your love when they see my life. Is there anything, Lord Jesus? And then being willing to hear what that is. Many of us can ask that question and then plug our spiritual ears. We don't really want to hear. We want to be spiritual enough to ask the question, but we don't want to be spiritual enough to hear the answer. And I would say, this is an important point for each of us. If you find yourself with anxiety issues, with fear issues, with trepidation uh, in what's going on in the world today, let's return to the simple things of how the gospel works in our life. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to have the leading voice. The fear of God is a wonderful thing. It's not something that we should tremble before or be anxious about in an earthly sense. It is something that sets us free, ironically. Because now our trembling in our soul is appropriate. It is rightly directed towards the one who deserves the trembling. His word, his presence, his life, his holiness. 
This is what we tremble before. And that's what sets us free, ironically, in this earthen realm to live boldly for him. So the innate confidence that comes with a clear conscience. When you have a clear conscience, there is a confidence in your life. And as a deliverer of the gospel, as a teacher, as a speaker, I know this very, very well. When I have any guilt in my life, when I have an unconfessed sin, it is amazing how that knocks the edge off of my strength in communication. It is absolutely imperative that I walk in the light as he is in the light and that I come before the living God on a regular basis. And I'm just saying, Lord, is there anything? Any open windows, any open doors, is there anything that is hindering the Spirit of God from working through me? And so listen to how I'm going to add this line with it. So I'm going to read the whole slide. The innate confidence that comes with a clear conscience contrasted with the sheepishness that comes from a guilty conscience. A guilty conscience leads to a sheepishness. It leads to a cowardice, which is why this is such an important ingredient in this brave makeup. So as I've been going through this series, I've been sort of building what I'm calling the 10 facts that make a believer brave. And their promises is what they are. And so the first one, uh, God promises to make you inwardly doom-proof. Number two, God promises to give you a PhD in good news. Number three, God promises to enable you to take any hit the enemy can dish out. Love it. And number four, God promises to make you spiritually unstoppable. And today's, God promises to make you above reproach. So the enemy does not have that grip on you. He cannot bring the condemnation. There's nothing there because you're clothed in the shed blood of Jesus. Those things that the Spirit of God is convicting you of, you're agreeing with. You're saying, yes, Lord. And when you do that, it gives you a great strength in your life. And it increases, ironically, boldness, bravery, courage. Guys, I hope this is encouraging to your soul, and I hope you take it seriously and come before the Spirit of God and just lay your soul before Him. Let Him search you. Let Him try you. God's richest blessings. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.